You're listening to the Library Pros Podcast with Chris and Bob, a techie librarian and a computer IT guy discussing libraries, technology, and all things this side of the reference desk. Thanks, Carl. Hi, and welcome to episode 98 of the Library Pros Podcast. I'm Chris. And I'm Bob. And today we're coming to you from the booth at the Sachem Public Library in Holbrook, New York, and the MS Clark Memorial Library in Setauken, New York. Library Pros Podcast is a bi-monthly podcast, so please subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find podcasts. And please check us out on Twitter at The Library Pros and on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash library pros. Consider leaving a review or telling someone about us because word of mouth is the best way to help our podcast listenership grow. Okay, so joining us is Thomas Oman, the CEO of Printch, a collection of products to improve printing, copying, and scanning devices, all with integrated electronic payment. Thomas is joining us from Denmark and is going to speak about Princh, the Princh story, passion, customer service, and most importantly, having fun at work. But first, let's get to know our guest. So I want to thank you for coming on the podcast. It took a while for us to figure this all out with time differences and crazy schedules, so I appreciate that. And before we get into talking about Princh, tell us about your background. Did you study computer science? Uh, yeah, well, th- first off, Chris and Bob, thanks uh, for having me. Uh, it's uh, it's fun. Um, but no, no computer science for me. Um, I, I, I actually have some of the earliest photos of myself uh, with my dad is actually writing a few lines of basic on like a Commodore 16. So maybe it was in the cards, but just it never really happened. So uh, no, I have a I have a business background. So uh, my two co-founders, uh, Hans and, and uh, Morten, they are both technical. So one engineer and and uh, and a computer science guy. Um, but no, I just didn't pass the bar. I guess. <laughs> it's funny. But, uh, I, but, I didn't study it either, and I was right there with you at my Commodore sixty four. So definitely, <laughs> I'm, I'm right there with you. Writing, it wasn't even Visual Basic. It was Basic Basic, right? With the five yeah, 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 yeah. floppy drive. Exactly. Yeah. Well, actually, it was. It was. Uh, I think when I was at it, it was. Uh, it was this, the Commodore sixteen, and you know, with a with a tape recorder. Cassette. Like yeah. Uh, and then my dad would uh, would basically. Well, he would write it up on paper. Uh, so each line of code, and then I type it up, save it, and you know, watch. I don't know. Uh, drawings appear on my fantastic. I don't know, ten inch little screen. Uh, it was. Yeah, it was fun. I guess. But it's been a while. So, uh, yeah, I didn't go down that route. Uh, so I, uh, after high school, I spent a couple of years in, in the Danish Air Force uh, as a, a reserve, uh, reserve officer, uh, platoon leader, um, and, and did that on contract for a couple of years. Uh, also, after I, 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 uh, I was done there and then studied uh, business. Uh, so I, I studied at Aarhus University, uh, also spent a little bit of time in uh, in uh, Seattle, uh, uh, and uh, yeah, after that, basically just started working. Uh, uh, first first role was in a in a larger Danish corporate, uh, working with pumps, basically uh, different types of pumps, and then just realized I wanted to do something by myself. I made that realization with with Hens, the guy I, I referenced before, one of my co-founders, and uh, yeah, well, fast forward, then here we are today. So I'm the I'm the commercial guy in in our little trio. Wow, that's a great story, isn't it, Bob? It is. You know, it's really nice to have you, Thomas. Too. So I guess Thanks. tell us tell us what drove you to build a business model with libraries near the center of that of that model. 
I guess I should tell the true story and and not what would sound better because we didn't we, we we didn't we didn't really start with a library focus per se. It it just kind of happened that way. So uh, basically, what what Prince does and and the vision that that we're striving for is basically to uh, make it easy to find a printer in the public space, use that device, and pay for that service electronically. So essentially eliminating the the home printer people print less and less uh, so why not make this easy and accessible in in the public space that was sort of our yeah thesis um so uh, and then it it just sort of happened that we uh, we stumbled upon libraries as a really great fit for what we we're trying to achieve for a number of reasons but it was it was more just because we kind of had to stick with one particular customer segment in the beginning, more than trying to work with libraries uh, because of them being libraries. So that's the true story, at least. <laughs> hey, at least you're being honest. That's great, though. Because <laughs> yeah. sometimes people deliberately go to libraries and other people fall into libraries. So, no, that's great. So, you know, before we get involved <laughs> yeah. in, in talking about that spark that started it all, right? Tell us about Princh and the services that you do provide. Yeah. So uh, basically, so I, I mentioned what we're trying to achieve, and, and that is basically make make uh, printing services, scanning services, copying services readily available within five to ten minutes of most people uh, and, and being able to pay for that service electronically. So that's what we're trying to achieve. And the reason why I said we kind of stumbled upon libraries is because when we first started out this and back in 14, 15, uh, we were kind of just exploring where do we have printers today? So we wanted, we're, Prince is just a software company. Uh, so, uh, so we don't deliver any hardware, any printers, anything like that. So we simply wanted to connect existing printers out there in the world. And there are lots of them in different, uh, in different places like hotels or hostels or universities, um, even some gas stations like a 7-Eleven used to have copiers back when I was younger. Um, so all kinds of places. But what we really found was that libraries, they had a real headache around this. Um, I guess we'll get to the O32 list. But if you had an O32 list of what librarians really love, I don't think there's ever been a librarian who would put printing like anywhere on that list. <laughs> uh, so... Uh, that was that was something we discovered pretty early on that there's a real headache here. Uh, lots of people actually go to the library to print, um, and uh, there's there's yet this big volume. Um, and from what we saw, at least in Europe at the time, was there weren't any great solutions. So that's why we kind of zeroed in on on libraries and then tried to build the best possible solution that we could give them that would essentially make them not having to think about printing or accepting payment thereof. So what we do today is we offer a complete self-service solution uh, software where people can come in, uh, print from their own device, pay with Apple Pay, Google Pay, whatever they prefer, and essentially completely self-service them, themselves. Um, so, so that's what we're trying to make easy, printing, copying, and, uh, and scanning and allowing people to do it. Uh, even if there is no staff in the library, like uh, this side of the pond, it's it's pretty popular, at least in Scandinavia, to have unmanned opening hours. So I can go to my local library at 10 in the evening and take out books, print, copy, whatever I want to do. Basically, most of the, the existing library services. So the self-service aspect and being able to do that by yourself 
is a big thing. It definitely is. And that that's that's a really interesting model to be open with without any staff there. It that's it's kind of foreign to us. So Yeah, yeah. I think I I've I've seen uh, I've seen a few libraries doing it in, in the US as well, but I yeah, certainly the um, the minority. But but here I I don't know the exact number, but I want to say 70-80% of of Danish libraries, uh, Danish municipalities, they offer uh, some form of unmanned opening hours. So um, I think my local library, uh, they'll open at 6. I can probably get in at 6 in the morning. Staff will maybe be there around 9 or 10, I'd guess, and they'd probably leave around 6 or 7, but I can stay until 10. Um, And I think that's that's more or less the, the sort of the timing that, that we have for most libraries, maybe some will start at seven and maybe close at 11, but like that, that's, that's pretty much it. Wow. That's something else, huh, Bob? That's crazy. <laughs> it's yeah, that's a lot of hours. <laughs> oh, that's pretty cool. Okay. So why don't we take a short break? And when we come back, we will chat with Thomas about um, the inspiration for him starting Princh and a whole bunch of other great stuff. We're going to talk about that, that spark that started it all. So we'll be back in just a minute. And we're back with Thomas Amon. Okay, so let's talk about the word spark. Uh, the word has five letters, but it's such a powerful word. So when did the idea be, that became Princh come to you? Um, we're, 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 we're back in, I think, 2014. Um, so... I think I said in the beginning that uh, my my co-founder Hans and I had had been sort of toying around with the idea of of starting our own business at some point. I think we had yeah probably killed around ten different ideas before we then actually jumped into this one. Um, and it was actually I think we were we were getting kind of drunk uh, in in his apartment uh, on a July evening in in fourteen again true story. Um, so, uh, and, and, and we're essentially that night, we're killing one of our old ideas. Um, and essentially that old idea was, was basically having a, a printer in your home that would print your mail. So over here in, in Denmark, we have, uh, you basically, you can't, when, when, when you receive any mail from, from a public institution, it's all digital. Uh, and it goes to not a regular email, but some digital inbox. Um, but for old people, that's kind of a problem if you're not really comfortable with the computer. So we wanted to just put a printer in someone's house. And then when they got mail, it would just get printed. Um, and that was kind of a cute idea. And, and uh, But, you know, wasn't really, yeah, we weren't 
prepared to quit our jobs and then actually pursue that. So, so we killed it on that night, but we were still kind of stuck on this printing thing. And we both traveled a lot in, in, in the jobs that we were in. And, and a lot of times we'd been somewhere like I would travel to China a lot. He would travel to the U.S. a lot. And we'd both been stuck in places needing to print an NDA or a contract or something like that. And we'd be like, so where, where do I do that? Uh, even if you're in a hotel, you kind of don't want to print a contract on some printer in a business center or worse with a receptionist. Um, plus, then you get to the port where you would have then have to pay for it. You don't have coins or cash or whatever. Uh, so that was sort of the uh, the problem that we that we had both experienced, and we thought there should there should just be a, a standard for how to do this in in the public space. Uh, people print less and less, so why would you even want to have a printer at home? You maybe print three four times a year, and then if you're traveling, so we should we should build that. Um, and then yeah, we kind of got started. I I remember I got home, and I just went to work in Excel because that's what I love, uh, and started to, to sort of try to figure out is this is kind of fun, but like, would we potentially be able to make a business out of it? So, uh, so yeah, that's, that's where it started. Uh, cause we had just, we'd suffered the pain, uh, and, and thought we might be able to do something about it. Then we were incredibly naive. So that also helped. Um, yeah. So, so that was, that was really spark. And we, we, we just wanted to, we wanted to do something by ourselves and, uh, and that just seemed like a problem that we would both like to solve. And it, it just makes sense uh, as as well. Like there's no point in each and every one of us buying a home printer that we use two, three times a year. The ink will dry out before we even get to the second time to use it. So it's a big waste as well. So yeah, it it, it sort of hit a number of criteria that, that were important to us. Um, so yeah, then we just decided let's let's try this. We started working weekends, nights on the idea. We found a, a co-founder, a third co-founder that would actually be able to start building some of this um, and yeah, secured some funding. Once that, that was signed, we were both on our phones with our bosses and then it was, yeah, onto the journey. So I guess we really got started in, in 15, but uh, it, all, it all happened on that uh, beautiful July evening. So the question is, what was it, what kind of beer were you drinking? It, uh, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't beer actually. Uh, it was it was uh, my my favorite white wine. Uh, it was a New Zealand white wine uh, from Marlboro. It was a cloudy bay, and I think it probably was a twenty must have been a twenty twelve, I guess. Uh, yeah, but it, it was it was nice and it worked. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, this just tells us we don't drink enough, right? I guess I that's guess why. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. These, that's what you got to do. These, these sparks, yeah. That's it. We don't have enough sparks because we don't drink enough. That's it. <laughs> that's great. So, Thomas, we we like to think that a spark turns into a philosophy, and, and um, tell us how your philosophy developed from your business model. I suppose. Yeah. So. Um, when when you say philosophy, I'm guessing we're referring to some of the the core principles that that we sort of um, try to adhere to. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And yeah, we we have I guess five or six uh, sort of um, points that that we think about, and um, maybe I should just mention them. So basically, and they're not in a particular order; they're just because there is no order to them. Um, but I'll mention them. <laughs> In, in, in one order, I guess, but it's just 
putting customers first, like they're all super basic. There is nothing fancy about it. I think lots of companies will have something like this, but I think it's how you work with them that matters. But putting customers first, um, we don't do average. We we try to do more with less. Uh, an old Google uh, from the Google founding days. Uh, have fun. Uh, and then listening, basically. So listening to each other, listening to what customers actually tell us. Uh, and then above it all is is basically that that this 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 needs to be driven by by passion. This this it's not a chore, uh, basically. And I think that the 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 way that this came about was probably back in the where that's probably in in fifteen at some point. Once we had hired the first couple of people, we felt like we the three co-founders uh, myself Henson Martin I think we were pretty much on the same page um we had a, a fourth guy that also came on really early we were all we knew each other reasonably well um but once we started to add a couple more people um it seemed to make sense that we would just set some basic alignment of expectations I guess um on 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 what's important and, and how we make decisions um, so yeah, that's, that's how they came about. And to us, it's, 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 it's simply because we're just people who, yeah, like we don't do average in, in the sense, like I usually, when, when we hire, uh, new, new people, um, I'll, I'll usually use this analogy of playing football, I guess you would call it soccer. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I, I like playing football. Um, and I, I, I'm not that great. I'm, I'm okay. Um, but I, I, and I can play with anyone who is horrible and who is like, I don't know, messy, whatever. Uh, messy as in the player, not as in messy. Sure. Um, so, but what matters is that, that you fight uh, and, and you give it your all. Um, and, and that's important in, in every single person that, that, we, that we hire uh, to join our team. I, I want to be able to, to say that this person is probably going to fight, even if it's hard and even if we don't know exactly what we're doing. We're at least going to try, and we're going to give it our all. Um, so it's, and and they're all sort of important in, in that way that we we try to basically hire people based on on some of these elements, um, and also then just make decisions on them. Um, so uh, the 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 bit about having fun, um, that one is uh, like we don't we don't have mandatory jokes on Tuesdays and Thursdays, but it's. It's simply that we we when again when we hire people we want uh, someone on the team that we don't necessarily become best friends or we that's not the purpose but ideally we can go out and we can have a beer and and talk and not feel like this is you know I don't like this person like a basic set of values that we that we share I think that's that's what it's about. Um, and then in, in day-to-day life, when we make decisions on, on how to prioritize things or make critical decisions about um, customers and where we have to prioritize uh, customers over one another, whatever it might be, then maybe we'll go back to these and say, well, this is actually what we should be doing because X, Y, Z. Um, but it's, yeah, it's, I think it, it, they, they stem from just how, what's important to us. Um, and then that has sort of yeah, disseminated into the into the organization. I think it's not something that we really look at today. It's something that's it's on the wall, uh, and I feel like it's just sort of 
ever present in everyone's behavior, um, but probably because we try to hire based on on these values. Well, Sorry, no, that was a long rant. No, 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 not at all. And you know, the the part that struck me the most was your number four, which is to have fun. That's a philosophy that I always preach in my department. And when we hire somebody new, I always tell them, if you're not having fun, something is wrong, and come see me yeah. because there's a reason. There must be some reason why you're not having fun, and let's see if we can fix it. Because it, yeah. at least, well, you know, I manage a maker space, so everybody has to be kind of like hive minded in a way. We have to. Yeah. get to a point where we almost read each other's thoughts and um and understand workflow and understand you know work as a cohesive team and i think the if you have somebody there like you were saying you know you want everybody there to get along you don't have to necessarily be friends you know after after work but you can go out and grab a beer and and hang around and talk and have commonalities and have things that you like and i think that philosophy yeah. really at least in terms of from what i've seen from what i do it really makes a difference because then people are happy. And if people are happy, then they like coming to work. If they like coming to work, the day goes faster. If the day goes faster, they don't feel like they worked. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, the philosophy that you put out there, I like the way you call them principles too versus principles. That's a great play on yeah, words. Well, yeah. I, I think that the happiness, of course, that that's important. Uh, but it, it kind of it kind of just follows from the rest. Uh, I think maybe what 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 to me feels even more important is is just that there is some sense of of meaning. Uh, that's not specifically in any of any of these sort of principles, uh, like you said. But um, but I think that's that's maybe the most powerful uh, element of of all that that you feel like you're doing something that makes sense. It doesn't have to be saving the world. Um, of course, I think that's that's a nice element, and, and that that will also attract more people. Um, if if you're actually doing something good, um, but it just have to, there's got to be meaning to what to what you're doing, uh, even if it's you improving your skills, learning something new, um, becoming maybe a better person, or or just learning something new about yourself so you can feel like you're growing. Like that that's that's also meaning. But yeah, I think that 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 in itself is maybe an even more powerful motivator uh, and, and can yeah again offer something great to uh to to the workplace or just to the team basically if that's not there then things things fall apart or at least you get people who aren't shall we say they're not going to be working uh uh at equal speeds that's very true too mm. yeah absolutely. <clears throat> i love number six on our list too chris it says passion drives us so um that really stops you from getting taken over by your competition hopefully right or or falling behind Right. Keeping yeah. It. Yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, uh, absolutely. we're doing this because because we think, you know, this this it makes sense to us. Like uh, we want to do this. We chose to do this. We had like an infinite number of other options that we could have pursued. Easiest yeah. one would just be stay where we are because that was pretty comfortable um, and, you know, nice. Uh, so this is this is this is not in any way the the, the easiest route, but but we're doing because we think it's it's fun and it's challenging and uh, like the seven years that we've now been at it in in Prince, I feel like I've had ten different jobs during that time, um, <laughs> and I, I can't imagine being in a place where I would have learned as much, uh, at least not in a traditional business existing business. So to me, that that's the primary motivator. I, of course, I want to see us grow, and and I like the fact that we're growing as a business and we're building a real team that can work together and, and do cool things. 
but it's it's also just a massive learning opportunity uh, so that yeah but absolutely yeah 100 percent. so i guess so go yeah go ahead chris Sorry. No, you go. Go ahead. i was gonna go on to the next question i want to do oh, no, I, sure. I just have a, a quick comment so um so I've been watching this documentary called The Captain. It's about Derek Jeter. He was a baseball player for the New York Yankees. And there was, was one quote that – he has many quotes in there that are very wise. But there's one quote that – and I, I'm not going to quote it correctly. But in essence, it said something along the lines of competition eliminates complacency. So yeah. – which makes a lot of sense. But I'm going to actually substitute completion with having fun at work eliminates complacency. Complacency, I think, is the breeding ground for people not wanting to work or maybe not working efficiently or not feeling like they're part of the team. There's always that negative part of it. Complacency, I think, is what we all fight in the workplace, whether it's a library or whether it's a, you know, a business. And I think if there's a way to either keep complacency from um, creeping in or oozing into your department or your organization or – Find something else that's a bigger motivator, a, a larger uh, impetus to work. Um, you know yeah. that will always squeeze out complacency. Although complacency is like it, the biggest problem, it's also the easiest thing to squeeze out once you get people passionate about what they do. And and your yeah. your principles, you know, it really makes if if a company sticks to the principles and and everybody actually believes in and practices those principles, I think you know, that complacency just doesn't exist. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I think, I think also the, uh, just uh, coming back to what, what, uh, what I said before about meaning, I think that, that to me is just uh, that, that, that covers them all that, that, yeah, that, that's the most important thing. Like um, quoting others, uh I, I, one of my favorite books is, uh, it's not a very pleasant one, but, but it's very enlightening is, uh, by Viktor Frankl. Uh, so I think he was an, an Austrian, uh, uh, philosopher, uh, psychologist, sorry. And, and, uh, he experienced, uh, being in, in the, uh, in, he was in Auschwitz, uh, concentration camps. So we were, so we're during second world war and, and what he noticed was he, uh, so the, in the book, I think the book's called meaning men search for meaning. If, if I'm not wrong, if I'm not mistaken. And, and in this book, he's basically describing what he went through uh, during his time in, in, in a couple of con- concentration camps. And what he noticed was that, uh, the people who survived during that time, they were the people who were, who had some purpose in life who had some reason to really want to make it to the other side of, of where, where they were, basically. Whether it was finishing a, a book, uh, taking care of grandchildren, or whatever it was, like something that was important to them, something that drove them. Um, and yeah, of, of course, on a much less dramatic level, um, but, but uh, I think that rings true for, for companies, teams, Anywhere, basically, if, if there's something that's important to you, you you're going to try hard and, and you're probably going to succeed. Makes a lot of sense. So, Thomas, tell us about the sharing economy, uh, what that is and how it applies to print. Yeah. So uh, I, f- from our point of view, it's it's simply making 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 better use of existing resources. So um, it's uh, we have a bunch of printers already out there. Um, why not make those really accessible? 
that's that's uh, that's sort of our take on on uh, the sharing economy in a, in a prince perspective. So let's make existing resources accessible and easier to use for for more people, so that we don't have to go out and, like we said, buy a, buy a bunch of printers. All of us. There's there's no point. It's it's a waste. Uh, in fact, what we we've done some some calculations. Uh, on just the CO2 emission impact of of, uh, of using prints versus uh, people going out and buying their home printers, uh, and depending on how conservative you are in in, in the numbers, then it's basically a 25 to 50 times better uh, situation for the environment. Uh, so 25 to to 50 times less CO2 emissions uh, from from using a printer in the public space. Uh, so. So that that just makes a lot of sense, and and uh, it's yeah. I think we should try to do that as as much as we possibly can, um, not just in our business. You know, as you're talking and talking about the sharing economy, it just and I'm not bashing another company or anything, but Epson here in the states now has a new um, business model where instead of you going and buying a printer and then having to buy ink and paper and all that other stuff. They actually have a subscription service. It seems like everything is going subscription nowadays. Yeah. yeah. Where you, you pay a certain amount a month and Epson will give you the printer and the ink whenever you need the ink on automatic refill and the paper. And they're charging you yeah. per month for that model. And I just, you know, you look, if you look at the statistics and you look at how much you spend on printing, you're spending in, at least I can't speak for everybody, but for my house, we would be spending more money on a printer. Than we would before with the printer just sitting there and not being used that much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I don't know this particular model, so I I, I can't really say. But uh, of course, you, you'd you'd have to have a certain level of 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 printing activity uh, for for that to make sense. Uh, I think for for the vast majority of us, uh, like we'll we'll need to print a few times. Or if you have young kids like uh, like I do, then maybe you'll be printing some T-Rexes uh, and coloring pages or Sudokus or anything, you know, some of these things to, to keep them happy slash quiet. Um, so uh, yeah, it, it, I guess it depends on, on, on people, right? But uh, most just don't have the, the, the need to justify having a home printer. And, and then we're just trying to make it really easy to, uh, to find an alternative. And people aren't printing as much as they used to anyway. I mean, now if it's on your mobile device and you have it archived in an app or, or you have it in your yeah. box or you have it in a folder or a file on your computer, nobody's really printing as much unless you're printing postage or printing invoices for a business or something like that, or you're printing a report that you physically, they don't even do that in school anymore where you print out the report or the, or, you know, the, the essay and hand physically hand it in. It's all electronic now. Yeah, that's actually kind of the funny thing because we're seeing uh, sometimes printing go up in the public space uh, simply because people are used to certain things in, in like in physical form. Um, like now I mentioned the T-Rexes before, the coloring pages. Um, like you can you can buy coloring books, but it, they're not as common anymore. So you can print them instead and get exactly what you want. Um, so. Yeah, it's 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 fun. We've seen a shift in in Denmark and in several Scandinavian countries where more and more is being digitized, but printing volume has has been pretty constant, if not growing. COVID, of course, yeah, brought it down a little bit for obvious reasons, because uh, people couldn't go out. But but uh, printing has been constant or or even going up in the public space. And thinking in terms of like let's say a public library, people are going with the express uh, desire 
to print as opposed to yeah. just sitting in their house and languishing away. I, a great example would be my mother-in-law who has the same inkjet printer for 15 years and she has to replace the cartridges not because they run out, but it's because they dry up, like you said yeah. earlier. So yeah, the maintenance, complete waste. yeah, and and the the markup on on inkjet cartridges is is quite insane. I mean, that's the model, right? You 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 buy a cheap printer, get them get them in, and and then you make the money on on the cartridge and and the ink, and yeah, it's uh, I I hope I think we can do better than that. Uh, so. Uh, yeah, but but we're seeing we're seeing we're seeing good growth, and we're happy with that. We're we're just uh, just need to spread it more. So you know, we actually love that one of the centers of your business is is libraries. Obviously, we're a library centered podcast, so it, it you know it kind of makes us happy. Um, yeah. it seems like it was almost purposefully designed for public use. Now you said that it wasn't necessarily that model in the very beginning, but tell us why libraries were an attraction for you. For as a business model, so well, we 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 basically. I remember we drew up a two by two. Uh, so that was uh, finally I can contribute with something from a sort of a business background uh, back in the early days, and uh, basically just trying to understand which segment would actually also be able to generate some revenue for us. Um, and and libraries, they like when we talk to them, they the, the, one of the I think actually the second or third customer of ours was a library north of where I am in, in Denmark. And like they would express real um, real problems, real headaches around printing. And, and like you could see from, from staff at the library librarians that they really did not appreciate spending any time dealing with printing or how do I, how do I change this to color or how, can I just, can I just pay for this one page? I don't want the rest. Um, like all those problems. Um, so we, we, we pretty early could see that there's a nice problem here that, that we feel like we could solve. Uh, so um, early on, uh, this is probably in the middle of 15, we then actually approached the first library that we had spoken with uh, that, that, that was already using our, our uh, solution to print from people's own devices and we sat down with the IT manager and one of his colleagues and basically just took notes as they kept talking for an hour or two um, about what they would want in a perfect solution, what it should do, what it shouldn't do. I think the first thing that came up was no account. Like we don't want people to have to create an account just to be able to print. Like it doesn't make sense. Uh, people come in here to print maybe two, three, four times a year. Um, user words, uh, usernames and passwords and depositing money into ground just doesn't make sense. Like, let them pay for what they need to print right now and they need to be able to do that by themselves. Um, so, f for us, it was just fantastic feedback. Like, they were passionately unhappy with 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 what they had and, and wanted to do something and get something better. So, um, yeah, it was it was a great opportunity for us to learn about what, what a solution needs to be able to do, um, specifically the public libraries. And then the, the nice thing about libraries is that you have so many different people coming into a library, um, whether it's elderly, um, people with kids like myself, um, yeah, uh, young professionals, students, obviously, then maybe some more unfortunate groups, uh, unemployed or refugees. Like it's, it's such a broad, diverse mix of, of people. Uh, and with varying sort of IT knowledge um, going 
pretty much from the bottom to to the top. Uh, so for us, it's it's it also just if we can create a solution that that works for uh, yeah the uh, the the lowest denominator uh, at the library, then it's probably going to be a user friendly solution to anywhere. Uh, that's just going to work. You know, and as you're talking, I'm thinking about like my daughter who's who's you know studying at a university. And I'm thinking in, then in terms of when I was in, in school back when dinosaurs were on the earth. And, um, you know, <laughs> back then it was a copy card, right? You had to get the copy card. You had to yeah, preload yeah, yeah. it with money. And then if yeah. you didn't use it all, you lost that money. And, you know, you're using it for copying and then for printing as well, where, as you're saying, you know, you're only going to pay for what you need. That really, you know, resonated with me because when my daughter goes to the library, you know, she pays for what she needs. And it, yeah. there's no like front loading of, of yeah, and she's probably got Apple Pay, Google Pay, or something like set up on her phone already. I mean, it's you can literally just grab your phone, walk into the library, having never been there before, scan a QR code on the printer, just choose the files that you want to print, uh, authorize payment, and you're done in 30 seconds, like literally 30 seconds. Um, so yeah, it, it doesn't have to be that complicated. And, and these accounts, like maybe in a university back in the day when we printed a lot and the same person would go to the printer twice a day, maybe it kind of made sense now. No, it really is. It, it is kind of mind blowing how, how the world has changed, but yet printing is still an essential element of a lot of what we do. Yeah. And it, and it attracts people too. I think that's, that's another thing that, that, that has, you know, I think made many of our customers really happy uh, that, you know, offering this service and publish, publishing this uh, to the community, the library community, it actually draws in more people. So creating more footfall, hopefully they'll see some of the other services uh, in, in the library. So everyone wins. Absolutely. So we want to thank you, first of all, for speaking to us about Princh because it's a really interesting product. Uh, your business model and the inspiration behind that business philosophy, because it sounds like it's a very happy place to work and it's very hard to find happy places to work nowadays. <laughs> Chris, can we ask him where he's going next or where yeah, he envisions sure. this company going Absolutely. next? I'd love to hear it. Yeah. So where the, where the company or where I'm going next? Sorry. No, no, I guess. Well, gee, all right. If you have an announcement to make, but where, I guess where the company's no, going no, next. I, I, yeah, no, yeah. cause I'm going to bed next, uh, but okay. uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, where well, where Prince is going next? Um, well, I think the 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 most interesting thing that we have going on we've we've released a copying and scanning solution that we're really uh, passionate about. Uh, that that's going to make uh, cause a lot less frustration in public libraries. Um, so we're going to continue to basically sell directly to to public libraries uh, and and continue to improve that product. Um, but on sort of more of a broader business side, then we have a lot of interesting partnerships uh, going at the moment, uh, where we're going to be broadening prints out to uh, to segments other than other than libraries. Um, but uh, that's not going to be something that we're necessarily driving ourselves, but then then with partners. So I think that's that's a big sort of stepping stone uh, for Prince uh, as as a company. But on the on the product side, it's just tweaking what we have and making sure that it remains the best solution for uh, for for public libraries, academic libraries. Um, listening to the feedback that we can get, um, and and just staying in front. Uh, so so that's that's what we care about. That's great. I guess Chris, that's a good topic. I mean, so. 
the team at Prince listens to their customers. So if you have an issue or you have a, a, a problem, right? They'll actually support will listen to that and try to, to their best effort, make, uh, make accommodations, right. And make things work for the client. Yeah. I, right, that's I, great. I, I, I hope if you, if you were to speak with any of our customers, I'd say I'd almost dare you to, to pick any of our customers and ask them what they, what they think of our support. Um, they'll, they'll say nice things. Uh, of course, of course we don't always get things right the first time. Yeah. Um, but uh, we we certainly mainly do, uh, and and if we don't, we fight hard to then rectify whatever we've done wrong uh, as quickly as we humanly can do. That's great uh, to hear from so, a company in twenty twenty two. A lot of companies <laughs> just leave us to leave all the public libraries to kind of just fend for themselves, and the school districts and things like that just have such a hard time. Uh, you know, it's getting, it's yeah. funny uh, just when you mention that, Bob, because to us now, I've 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 worked in in a couple of other sectors outside of libraries, and one thing that struck me working with libraries is that it just feels like it feels like an underserved market in sure the sense is. that. Um, yeah. Like you, you, you seem almost like some of the customers that, that that we have. They seem almost like too thankful mm-hmm. uh, for support sometimes. And I'm well because if not it works, patting if it, myself on the back. No, but no, you're 100 percent because you have good, effective customer support. And for companies that don't, we're so used to working with that. I'm working with um, a, a printer company now that just drives me crazy, and I won't name it because people will rip it apart. Sure. Um, but it's it's it, they were so good for five or six years, and now they are so horrible, incredibly 180 degrees where they used to be. And so when a company like Prince comes in and stuff actually works and you can get good support, like we're not used to that. We're used to fighting for like that printer hasn't worked in four months because they put nine parts into it and then none of them work. So when your stuff works, we're like, what's wrong with this company? Because everything just kind of works. So we're, yeah, we are, we are not, we're just not used to things flowing smoothly in any effect. So yeah. Yeah. It's a, uh... Yeah, that was just something that uh, it's it really surprised me the the the, uh, the the relatively low level of expectations that that we got around yeah. support. It, it 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 yeah, it made it easier to shine, I guess. Yeah, well, set the bar higher, right? That's what Prince can do, <laughs> yeah. can do because yeah. these other yeah. folks are. I mean, and it's a it's a great marketplace for you because these other folks are losing it. So, uh, yeah, I mean, come in, you know, step into their shoes because they're not doing the right job. So, I mean, Chris, you deal with the same thing. There's always some extra hurdle or some thing that after you sign the contract that you didn't know it was going to be this difficult, you thought it wasn't going to work that way. And it just, uh, yeah. yeah, life's too short. Exactly. And I think you just summed it up. Life is too short. <laughs> yeah. That's like in general. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we're going to take a short break. Uh, and when we come back, we're going to be asking Thomas, our now famous or infamous, depending on how you look into it, the top 10 library questions, what we like to call the 032 list, which is a Dewey number for top 10 lists. And as always, we give credit to Melanie Cardone from the Longwood Public Library for naming the list of questions we ask all our guests. So we'll be right back.
And we're back with Thomas Amon. From, he's the CEO of Prince, who will be our next participant on our 032 list. The questions in our list were inspired by Literary Hub, a source for library news that has stories and interviews related to the library land. You can see their work by visiting lithub.com, and they do a great job of educating and informing library professionals on topics from all over the world. Once again, thank you, Literary Hub. Okay, so you ready, Thomas? I'm so ready. Okay, so we adapted this question because usually we're interviewing people who work in libraries, so we tweaked it a little bit. So what did you want to be when you were a child? Yeah, um, well, I got a chance to see this in in advance, so uh, it got me thinking a little bit. I I th- I think maybe journalist, uh, if if that was sort of the first thing where I could sort of properly form some thoughts around what I might want to do, um, that's that's the that's the earliest recollection anyway. But I changed my mind a few times after that, so but it's got to be a journalist. So, what is your first memory of a library, and who brought you to the library for the first time? Um, I don't know uh, who brought me there, but but my best guess is that it was probably my dad. Um, uh, I, I remember the first uh, sort of experience, and that was this in in uh, in, in the town where I grew up. At the library, they had this uh, sort of dome covering the children's section. You had to be a kid, like even a small kid, to to get under it. But then you could sit in there and then grab all the books that you wanted, and then not have your parent come in and disturb you, uh, and and just get cozy under the dome. Um, so yeah, they took it away uh, during COVID because uh, yeah, couldn't get close anymore. So, uh, but that had been there for 35, 40 years, but, uh, yeah, it's gone now, but the dome. Sounds like a TV show. <laughs> <laughs> so when did you decide to work with libraries? Obviously we've talked about it, but yeah, so it, 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 yeah, it wasn't 15, I guess, uh, but it, it, yeah, they came to us, I guess. Uh, so uh, yeah, but it was in it was in fifteen we realized that this was this would probably work well for libraries. So I lost my spot. So what is your uh, who who is your favorite fictional librarian? Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm sorry. So this is probably where I'm not. Uh, you know, uh, it 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 it's it's clear that I'm not necessarily a librarian. Um, so I, I didn't have a long list of people to choose from here. The only one that really came to mind was uh, was uh, Tammy from Parks and Recreation. That's, um, yeah, that's great. She's yeah, she's special, all right. Whether she's a great librarian, maybe that's a question for another podcast. I don't know, <laughs> but uh, she's interesting. Okay, so what would you be doing if you weren't working in this field? Um. I think uh, I think I'd be building another business um, of some kind, maybe still in software, but then maybe uh, maybe something that has to do with climate change or mental health uh, or yeah, topics around that. So something that kind of makes sense, and and I think those two are interesting, and and yeah, and they make sense, and and. Uh, We've had ideas around them and, and toyed with them, but yeah, so it'd probably be uh, building some business in in one of those spaces. I love the entrepreneurial part. Don't you like that, Chris? It's awesome. <laughs> I love it. That's great. Yeah. So, what would you say is your favorite section of the library? Um, I think that really depends on the context. So, if I'm by myself, this is this is a rare luxury uh, having having kids. 
Um, but if I were to go by myself, I'd probably just say any any section that's completely quiet and without other people. So I can just sit and relax and read whatever looks interesting in that particular area. Um, but yeah, my, my local library is, is stock one. Uh, so in, in Aarhus, uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, but it's, it's, a uh, it's a fantastic place, uh, for anyone interested in, in like anything libraries really, uh, and, and beyond libraries. Uh, so if I go there with my kids, then, uh, yeah, we'll go, we'll go just go pick out some books or go to the play area, go to the cafe, like, I can't name one thing there going with my kids. It's, it's, it's nice. So this question is a little bit more, you know, based towards library people, but thinking in terms of your local library, if you had an infinite space and, and budget that you can give to the library, what would you add to it? Yeah, I, I, I really struggled to, to, to pick any faults with, with our local library, uh, Doc one, like, the first thing that comes to mind, let's just double the space because so many people go there. So it gets crowded on a weekend. Uh, so yeah, I, I think I doubled the space, same, same, same activities, same services, uh, but just uh, more space because people want to go. That's a great answer. Right, Chris? That's sure. In general, just more space. You have to house the people for whatever they're doing. Yeah. Um, so what do you absolutely love about libraries? Um, yeah, th- th- this may be a slightly long-winded answer, but fundamentally, I believe in 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 people making their own luck, and and uh, and for that to really be possible for everyone, I think government has to create a somewhat level playing field, allowing people to actually create their own luck, um, and and. I think libraries are they're basically a, a fundamental pillar in in in, in leveling that play, playing field. So allowing the disadvantage to uh, yeah to potentially create a, the same luck that I've been able to create or anyone else has been creating uh, able to create. So it's yeah it, it levels the playing field. I think that's the short version, I guess. So again, this question was designed more for people who worked in libraries, but it may still apply to you. What's the weirdest thing that you've ever seen or happened in your career? <laughs> Um, yeah, <laughs> if, if I should try to keep it library relevant, I think the weirdest thing that I've done, maybe it, it given what I, what I do every day, I guess it isn't particularly weird, but it felt strange at the time. Like I was in, uh, I was at, what, what was it? It was a Denver, uh, I think it was a Denver ALA in, in 2018 in, uh, yeah, in Denver and Colorado. And and I just had a few extra days, uh, and I decided I'm going to rent a jeep, and then I'm going to go library sightseeing uh, in some rural areas, and that was just I don't know if that was particularly weird, but it it was just fun, like uh, because the 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 I think you have <clears throat> variations in libraries, uh, like you can you can be in one county and and you'll be like wow wow this is this is unbelievable this is fantastic and then you'll go to the next county uh five ten minutes later and like that is not at all at all as nice as what we just came from um so yeah seeing seeing some of that diversity uh, uh and then in, in a beautiful place i guess 
guess it wasn't weird, but that was fun to me at least. And I didn't didn't anticipate doing that uh, five years prior. Well, I ch- we changed this uh, question number 10 from do you have a favorite regular patron to either, do you have a favorite regular customer? Anyone who will tell me what works and what doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> feedback, feedback, the, feedback, yeah, feedback. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. Tell, tell me if something isn't good enough. Yeah. That's the most important. A uh, pat on the shoulder is nice, but please tell me if something isn't good enough. And, and please tell yeah. me, you know, early on so I, so I can fix it and, and, and make it better. Because uh, most, most likely you're not going to be the only one benefiting. Uh, lots of other libraries will too. It's definitely the right answer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So our final question, what are people without library cards missing out on? Uh, I think that the biggest, the uh, probably the biggest thing would just be curated content. Like I'm just thinking about it now with, with my five-year-old who is starting to use a computer and he will listen to some of these YouTubers talk and then he will reference something that, that some of them said as if that's, you know, a fact or just uh, some absolute truth. And yeah, I, I can see. The, 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 so there's proper value in, 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 in having someone curate constant and, and uh, yeah, uh, not just trusting whatever you see on any random web page or YouTube channel. So I think that's, there are lots of other reasons, but that, that at the moment that sticks. Amen to that. That's right. Because my kids, oh, I heard it on blah, blah, blah. But yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah, that's not as <laughs> Yeah, that's the, the name of the show. Your group said that, and that has to yeah. be true. Yeah, no, it's not. Not even close. But what does the old man know? Yeah, exactly. So let's have some plugs to learn more about Prince and your products. Um, it's Prince.com, right? Yeah. Come on over. Have a look at Prince.com. Uh, if if it looks good, just reach out, fill in a form, or or just call us directly, and you can also try it for free for thirty days if if you'd like, no commitment. So yeah, come in, have a look. Wow, well, this has been a great fun, Tom Thomas. We really appreciate you coming on, and a great um, time. Yeah, and, I appreciate it. And, it's, and uh, thanks it's been fun with the, with the time difference. I know it's late there, so no problem, no problem. Thanks, guys. All right, take thanks care. for coming on. Take care. We have come to the end of another episode of the Library Pros, and we thank you for listening. If you have any questions or comments on this or any episode, click on the Contact Us form on our website, thelibrarypros.com. Visit us on Twitter at The Library Pros and on Facebook at facebook.com slash thelibrarypros. Don't forget to tell a friend or colleague and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Special thanks to our podcasting engineer, Dean Meyer. Remember, the opinions stated by The Library Pros and their guests are solely those of Chris and Bob, and are not those of the Sachem Public Library, the MS Clark Memorial Library, or any other library. See you next time. You've been listening to the Library Pros Podcast. The Library Pros are brought to you by Pippet Productions and by the Library Pros themselves, Krista Christofaro and Bob Johnson. Special thanks to Sachem Public Library for providing space for this podcast. Until the next turn of the page, I'm your announcer, Carlton Welch.